Nearly 20 years ago, measles was eliminated in the United States. But because measles is highly contagious, near-perfect vaccination coverage is needed to effectively protect against a resurgence. And localized outbreaks have recently been triggered by travel-related introductions of the virus into under-vaccinated populations. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Anthony Fauci, Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Dr. Fauci has co-authored a perspective article about the recent upsurge in measles cases. Dr. Fauci, could you start by telling us a bit about the history of eradication efforts, both in the U.S. and perhaps around the world? Well, with the very highly effective measles vaccine, which, as we know now from considerable experience, that it is about 97% effective if you get the two doses in the prime boost, which is a dose at 12 to 15 months of age, and then optimally at four to six years of age, that you get up to, if not more than a 97% efficacy. With that as a background, it became very clear that if you vaccinate, you cannot obviously, for reasons that are logistic and otherwise, vaccinate every single person who is eligible to be vaccinated from the standpoint of their health, namely since this is a live attenuated vaccine virus, that you would be able to essentially control, eliminate, and even potentially eradicate, though we're not talking about eradication now. But when you talk about elimination, that means that you don't have any continuous cases in a particular location, let's say here in the United States for a 12-month period. And we actually eliminated the measles in the United States in the year 2000. Now, the issue that's important is that if you want to sustain this elimination, because continually, since there are people throughout the world who have measles, testis est last year, in 2017, actually, which is the last recorded year, there were over 100,000 deaths due to measles. So measles is out there. So you can expect measles to be continually entering into the country, either someone who's infected to come into the country or someone taking a trip to a country that has measles and if that person isn't protected to bring it back into a community. The way you avoid outbreaks is if you get, as many people are now appreciative of, what we call herd immunity. Namely, you get a certain percentage of the population that are vaccinated that then provides an umbrella of protection against the virus from essentially spreading within a community. For measles, that optimally is about 93 to 95% of the community needs to be vaccinated. Now, when you look at the country as a whole, we do pretty well, but there are pockets in locations throughout the country in which that level of protection, that veil or umbrella of herd immunity has gone down below a critical percentage, and that's where you get the outbreaks that we're seeing now. So we potentially can eliminate and even eradicate if we do it right, because we have a highly effective vaccine. But we're running into problems that we're recognizing now for people who, for a variety of reasons, are not vaccinating their children or even keeping up on their own vaccinations. So what's the latest on these current outbreaks, and are they close to being contained? Unfortunately, the answer is no, because if you just follow, as we do, obviously very carefully, the CDC's numbers from January 1st to May 17th of this year, 2019, there have been 880 individual cases of measles that have been confirmed in 24 states. And literally each week when the CDC comes out with their numbers, that number gets more and more and more 
just a couple of weeks ago, it was 839, and then it was less than 800, then 700. So right now, we're still on the upswing. I mean, obviously, there are areas that are dominant in being the epicenters of most of these. Right now, a critical area in the United States is in New York City in the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn and in parts of Queens, in which there have been well over 500 cases over the last several months. You write in your article that the success of previous vaccination programs has changed the epidemiology of measles. What used to be seasonal epidemics in young children has now shifted to sporadic cases in older children and adults. So why is that happening and how is that affecting older populations? Well, that's a very important point because if you have consistent vaccination of children, that you essentially get to the point where we were just a few years ago in 2000. But when that umbrella of protection goes down, there will be individual people who have not gotten vaccinated or they did not get vaccinated properly. They don't remember. They may have gotten one dose versus the two doses, or they may have gotten vaccinated at a time when there were a couple of vaccines available and one of them was much better than the other. So you get different types of individual outliers, as it were. In other words, instead of a typical measles outbreak among children, you'll get an older individual who might not have gotten vaccinated properly during their childhood, who then wind up as one of those so-called sporadic cases in older individuals and adults. In other words, they were protected from getting infected by the herd immunity as I refer to it as kind of an umbrella or a veil of protection. And you never see those vulnerable people get infected because they're protected by the herd immunity. When the herd immunity lessens and gets down to the point where it doesn't give universal protection to the community, then you see these sporadic cases of people who would have otherwise been protected had the herd immunity been intact who are now being vulnerable. And those are the ones that you referred to, older children, adults, pregnant women, etc. As you said earlier, more than 100,000 people a year die from measles. You also mentioned the hesitancy in some groups to be vaccinated. How much has that vaccine hesitancy contributed to the continued presence of measles? It has been the major factor when you have a vaccine as highly effective as measles, and then you, for a variety of reasons, do not vaccinate your children, and then in that case, the community in general, that is the dominant reason why you're seeing the outbreaks we have right now. These types of things are totally avoidable because we have such a highly effective vaccine. The issue is that when you're dealing with people who fall into the category, and there's different terminologies for it, let's say, you accept the one of vaccine hesitancy, there are a number of reasons for that. There are some individuals, in fact, there are some very valid reasons not to get vaccinated. One of them are health reasons, because people who have a kind of underlying immunosuppressed condition that you do not want to because of the danger of giving them a live attenuated vaccine, that's a very valid reason. But then there are others who do not want to get vaccinated for reasons that vary, one of the most distressing of which is the misinformation that has been propagated regarding the adverse events associated with measles vaccine, particularly the connection between measles vaccination and autism, which is something that has been so clearly and definitively debunked 
over so many years, and yet there is that lingering spread of that false information, particularly among social media and on the internet, that sort of creates this doubt in some people's mind. And then there are other people, when they don't see the ravages of disease around them, they ask themselves, why should I get my child vaccinated or why should some authority, be it civil or medical, tell me that I should be vaccinating my child? They don't see any incentive out there because they don't see disease. So they have this, what I would call libertarianism taken to the extreme, where they abrogate the responsibility to their own child, as well as this real responsibility, a societal responsibility to the community in order to protect those people who, for a variety of reasons, are vulnerable, including children from birth until the first year when they get their usual vaccination. Those children are clearly vulnerable, as are a variety of other people who might have certain conditions which do not allow them to get vaccinated. So vaccine hesitancy is sort of like a bucket term for a variety of reasons, many of which we really need to seriously address because we have a problem that is growing right now that we need to get our arms around. Otherwise, it's going to get worse. So do you see solutions on the state or federal level that could help increase vaccine coverage? I don't think it's going to be at the federal level because, in general, the federal structure does not dictate these kinds of things. It's almost invariably at the local, state, city, and community level. And there are ways around this. One is to the best as we can, spread the true facts, the evidence-based information, and try and dissuade, and I know sometimes that's very difficult, people who are still stuck on this misinformation. We try to do that. We try also. There are some people who might want to get vaccinated. They just are careless about it, or they don't have easy access to healthcare, those you could do something about certainly at the local and community level is to try and make it easier for people to get vaccinated. Those who otherwise would get vaccinated have nothing against getting vaccinated, but it becomes too inconvenient, not very easy for them. Those are the group of people you can address. But then you may even have to be a little bit more firm about it, which is what we're seeing in some locations such as removing some of those very loose types of exemption criteria. I mean, there are some people that claim religious reasons for exemption, and when you contact the authorities in that religion, there really is no valid reason at all to claim a religious exemption on the basis of that religion. And there are also this philosophical exemptions where people have philosophical reasons that really need to be taken a good hard look at, because that's just another way of saying I don't really want to do that. You highlight in your article nosocomial transmission of measles as a, an especially important threat. Why is that threat so great, and what are hospitals doing to prevent transmission? Well, right now they're starting to relook at it. It was not really a problem when we didn't have any outbreaks, but right now, and I gave in the perspective that I wrote for the New England Journal an example that was really quite disturbing. There was a measles outbreak in Shanghai a few years ago in 2015. A single child with measles went into a pediatric oncology clinic innocently and infected 23 other children, more than 50% of whom ended up with severe complications, and the case fatality rate was 21%. So when you have a situation where you have measles that is in a situation that is a little bit out of control, if not a lot out of control, and you have very vulnerable situations like in a pediatric oncology clinic 
you could have a disaster the way we saw in Shanghai. So that's one of the things that we felt it was important to point out in the article, that it isn't just this community outbreaks where in general you can get significant complications, but most people don't compared to a highly vulnerable population, as we saw in that report from the Pediatric Oncology Clinic. Thank you, Dr. Fauci.